This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. See you later. <laughs> And welcome to the Wednesday week, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast. Um, and this is, well, it's a little bit different. Um, I'm James. There's no Lord Hillsborough here tonight. Um, there's no Vic. There's no Eddie. There's no Rich. Uh, there is Dan Fudge. Hello. 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 I'm Dan it, Fudge. It is just the two of us. And um, this is not, it, we're not just really unlucky, like the other guys have not just abandoned us. This was designed. This is how we wanted it to be tonight, for it just to be... Me and Fudge, a nice, you know, romantic evening over Skype. Just the, um, <laughs> just the two of us. I feel us. like we need some uh, piano in the background. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah, we need a guy playing piano in the background. That would that that fit. Um, and kind of the yeah. the reason that we decided to do this is because, particularly, kind of in the last what third of the season, there were quite a few occasions yeah. where you and I, Fudge, had a difference of opinion. And at, at times, um, it, it was always healthy, but at times it got quite heated. And we had some quite strong yep. disagreements, probably more so than any other kind of combination on the um, on the podcast. So, yep. um, you know, we, we were kind of talking about whether or not we should do this anyway. A couple of people on Twitter got involved saying that they'd really like us to, to do it. Um, so we, we were going to do it anyway. We, we spoke to the rest of the guys um, from the podcast and said, look, you know, we're, we're going to do this thing, just the two of us. Do we do it under the umbrella of the Wednesday week or do we create something different because it's just the two of us? And everyone said, no, 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 do it, do it as the Wednesday week. So, you know, we've not been rude. We've not kicked them off for, um, for the, I, I think they're all on holiday anyway, to be fair. And they're probably quite happy yeah. to have a bit of time not talking about um, not talking about football. So that's kind of the background to it. And um that is why we're here now. Can I can I set my soul out really early here and um, 
and get this because we've built this as the showdown, and we'll probably end up not disagreeing about anything. Um, but <laughs> the first thing that I want to say is, um, why? Why are we here? What what purpose does this serve? I've been thinking about this today and thinking, you know what? I'm at peace with what happened last season. I'm, I'm I've 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 you know I've had all the anger that I needed to have. It's all out of my system. I'm at peace with the way last season finished, and I just don't know if I see the point kind of going over old stuff again. Is it is it necessary? I think there's a uh, there's a lot of fans out there that are still genuinely angry about about the way that the, uh, the the season finished. I think we made some tactical errors. I think we made some errors in signing, errors in judgment, errors errors all over the place, and some of them never seem to be addressed. And I think there's a lot of fans out there, especially on Twitter, that, that we see that are genuinely annoyed. And um, and then I think all this came to light. I mean, you and I discussed this straight after the. Um, the Huddersfield versus Reading playoff final, where uh, where Huddersfield ended up going up to play Premier League. Now, you know, fingers crossed, they don't go up there and stick 10 men behind the ball. They try and do what Bournemouth did and play football. But and if they keep Wagner, they might do that if they don't keep Wagner. But, that, you know, that's another show. That's for somebody else. But I think there's a lot of times where a lot of the, you know, the Wednesday faithful want to air their opinion and they want to get it out there and they want to, they want to discuss the, the big talking points of where we may or may not have gone wrong. But is it it, it? it it does seem to have come to head since Huddersfield won promotion. Is this just basic sour grapes on on our part as Wednesday fans? That you know, we all kind of said, well, you know, Fulham were the favourites. If they go up, fair enough, they've been in good form. Well, you know, Reading been there before. None of us really entertained the idea of Huddersfield getting promoted. I think even on the day of the game, even if the game was kicking off, like I think most of us thought this is in the bag for Reading. Like I can't see anything other than a Reading victory. Are we just are we just literally throwing the dummy out here because Huddersfield have gone up and we haven't? There's an element to that, of course. But I think uh, as a collective, I think what what some of the fans want to do is we need you and I in the capacity we do on the Wednesday week, we need to make sense of where our where our failings are, where our positives are, you know, we're still happy clappers at the end of the day, yep. and and where we stand as a squad, and where we believe, and the fans that we've had interaction with over the last few weeks that have, that have sent us some uh, some stuff that we'll go through tonight. I think we need to make a sense of where we are as Sheffield Wednesday and what we need, and and you know what our process is going forward. And I think this is this is where the, the crux of the show needs to be, as opposed to just two Yorkshiremen whinging. Yeah, um, fair point. I mean, I, I we, we obviously we did do a podcast kind of the week after the Huddersfield game, which um, you weren't around for, if I remember correctly. That's right. I claimed victory for Team James by default. By the way, after that, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I did hear. But the the um, the point came up, and I, I think a, a couple of people tweeted me about this afterwards, actually, because I think they were um, surprised and uh, in some cases disappointed that I said this. That um, looking at the season as a whole now. I don't think that we can view it as anything other than a failure because our aim at the start of the season, you know, the, the, the manager and the chairman will have sat down, they'll have a conversation, what's the target this season? Obviously, the target is promotion. It has to be. We made it to the playoff final the season before. The target, the, the, the target has to be promotion. And I would imagine that they've said, ideally, it would be automatic, but if we need to go through the playoffs, then we'll go through the playoffs. Um, and we didn't achieve it. And um, I, I just can't see how... People who are saying, well, we finished two places above where we finished the season before. It doesn't matter. We finished further away from the Premier League than we did the season before. 
because uh, we lost in the semi-finals. So I, I can't really see any way of seeing the season other than as a failure. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not me saying it was a terrible season. It's not me saying it was a disaster. I thought there were some really good points last season. I had some, you know, some really good times watching Wednesday, particularly on the road. Some really good away days. There were some some really good days at Hillsborough as well. Um, but you know, overall, football is a results business, isn't it? And um, you know, we've, we've we've got to take stock of the fact that we finished fourth. We didn't get promoted. That's you know, we might as well finish seventh and be in Leeds, haven't we? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's essentially, you know, we may as well have finished mid-table. It, you know, it didn't really make a difference because at the end of the day, we, we didn't achieve our, our target. So if you want to look back, I mean, where do, where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the start of the season with recruitment or do you want to start from playoff leg one? And we can start from there and, and do it retrospectively, if you like. Yeah, well, let, let's let's do that. Let's start with Huddersfield and, and, and work our way backwards, because I think that's probably fresh in most people's minds. And from yeah. um, the comments that we've had, I think it's probably the thing that most people feel quite aggrieved by. And, and this subject of the first leg, and, and we disagreed about this quite quite strongly. Yeah. Um, on, on paper, you know, I, I guess you would claim victory by the fact that we ultimately lost the, the tie. Um, because... I argued that the away performance at Huddersfield was a top-notch away performance. To, to, to go there and keep a clean sheet, that had to be the aim, and we achieved that. Now, your view was uh, quite a bit different. Yeah, it was the... I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I think taking a draw to Hillsborough was... You know, at the time, you'd, you'd have thought, but it was a great result. We'd have gone, you know what, we're in a commanding position. We're going to go to our ground... And we're going to do it right. However, it was the manner of it. We at no point. I mean, the form that Huddersfield went into into those playoffs, there was no way, shape, or being that they should have knocked us out of that competition. That you know, everybody constantly, year in, year out, at this time of year, always harps on about the form team, the form team hitting the striders to get in the playoffs. Huddersfield were the worst one. They they, they were terrible. They got some god awful results against uh, Cardiff. Um, uh, they they drew against uh, well, hang on, what was it? They got Cardiff. They lost against Birmingham. They had a narrow victory at Wolves. But you know when they got beat, they got absolutely spanked. They also lost to Fulham. They got spanked there. They didn't beat Derby. They lost. Uh, they, they just beat Preston. So they didn't. They'd not won. Uh, I think it, they they'd won one in five going into the playoffs. So this is a team that were licking their wounds somewhat, and they were a little bit vulnerable. And I thought. Playing the defensive game that we did in that first leg was a little bit offensive, and I think we gave them a little bit too too much respect go, going into that game. And they, for me, look from the outside looking in, I think they were a team for the taking. Yeah, uh, in in hindsight, I mean, I, I I'd still argue that we did the right thing, that the priority was keeping a clean sheet, and that we therefore, you know, it should have been. The easy bit then should have been bringing them back to Hillsborough and, and doing the business um, on that whatever it was Wednesday night or whatever, um, and 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 probably my annoyance, if you like, is is more centered around that because I think when when you're away, um, you there is that nervousness there, isn't there? There is that kind of like you know you, you can try and hit them on the break, and um, I'm, I'm going to mention um, James Allen at this point, Manhattan Owl on on Twitter yeah. who. Um, who sent us his thoughts about it, which actually I, th- I think are pretty good and probably up my eyes to something that I'd maybe 
allowed myself to ignore a bit, which is that defensively we did play it right and, and tactically we played yeah. it right. However, when there was the opportunity for us to break, we were very ineffective in doing it. We were very sluggish through, mid, through midfield. It, it did look like there were a couple of players that weren't really fit that were, that were playing in that game. And um, we never really looked like we were going to be able to hit them on the break, which is kind of, I suppose, a, a, a fairly significant part of that kind of tactic. It's fine to sit there and soak up the pressure, but you've got to be able to hit people quite quite quickly on the break yeah. uh, because you can't just go away and draw every game nil-nil. At some point, you have to win some of those games. So it's not, you know, it's a, it's a tactic that doesn't have longevity. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I, I think we confounded it even more by after an hour, we then brought on Dave Jones and completely changed the way we're playing to even more defensively. You know, we, we I think it was, um, it was, it might have been Beagree, uh, who was on the, who was on TV saying that, you know, Sheffield Wednesday start very slowly. This is early on in the season, by the way, not during right. the playoffs because he was, he was notable by his absence. But yes. um, he said that um, Sheffield Wednesday uh, start slow. We are a patient team. We have a slow build. And then we, and then we go for the jugular later on while we still got our fitness because we're a very fit team and we're a very clever team and, and X, Y, Z. But I thought the, pivotal moment of how we were going to set our stall out we went even further backwards when we brought jones on because that changed with well, that that kind of put three center midfielders in uh we had you know two wingers and four at the back it was like yeah you know what we're just going to camp here nil nil's all right for us it's we're fine here but this i mean this is going to lead us into a bit of more of a general discussion isn't it about how we played over the course of the season because yeah. We undoubtedly there was a change in style of play at a certain point last season, where I think we started the season trying to play kind of the same way that we had done um, in in the season before. And at some point, Carlos realised we are not going to get promoted. We are not going to win enough games playing like that anymore. We need to find a way of winning difficult games, of, of shutting teams down, and not letting them hit them. If, if you think about um, the, the season before, and particularly at the start of this season, the number of goals that we conceded quite late in games was really bad. And I'm, I'm thinking the one that springs out to me is that injury time one at Birmingham, where we, you know, we should have won that game. We were the better team yeah. by a mile, and somehow yeah. we lose it. And it felt like after that that Carlos went away and thought, right, this is not going to work. We are not going to go up playing like this. We've got to do something different. We've got to try something different. And that that's pretty much what he did. He he rethought our our style of play to make us difficult to break down. And if you look at you know the teams that have been promoted to the Premier League over the last few years, in the majority of cases there are teams that have built their their style of play around being difficult to break down. Basically, being pretty boring. Hull did it to us. Um, Huddersfield certainly are a flair team. They were pretty dull. They didn't even score a goal of their own throughout the entire playoff process. <laughs> no, they didn't even win a game through the through the playoffs. Um, but you know they 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 did what they needed to do defensively and and, and somehow rode it rode it through. Um, Reading another example of a team uh, that built their season around being difficult to break down, difficult to beat. The, the only other yeah. team really that, that was knocking around the top end of the table who actually played with some degree of, of flair was was Fulham. Um, and everyone thought, well, they'll they'll walk it. Fulham Wednesday playoff final for definite. And both of us, we didn't, we didn't get there. Um, is this just, is this 
um, indicative of the kind of the league the championship has become now. If you want to get promoted out of the championship, forget about playing with flair because it isn't going to win you games. And I know you're going to argue that it's what we should do, but th- there's an argument to say next season we need to get even tougher. We need to shut teams down um, e- even more strongly uh, and win win games dirty all season long because that's how you get out of the championship. But I, but I, I don't think it, it's it's a blueprint for the bigger picture. If, if that makes sense, so it might, you know, it might be good for. Let's say we get into the playoffs and we stick five at the back. People can't break us down. We have a corner and we nod one in, and that's us. We're going to Wembley with one. You know what I mean? I, there is no longevity in just trying your best to keep the ball out the net. There isn't. That I, I believe. I, 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 you know, Newcastle won the league, and at no point did they stick ten men behind the ball. They played lovely, flat, fast-flowing football. Yeah, all right, yes, because they had the players in which they could do it. As did Brighton. They, they at no point stuck. 10 men behind the ball and parked the bus. They played fast-flowing, lovely football. And, you know, they, they've managed to get a tune out of a big stag like like Knockout, for example. But then they've got the people at the back, like, uh, who's the big lad with the beard? Is it Bruno? You know, they, yeah. they've got they, they've got the marriage right. They've got the, the balance correct. And yes, they, you know, they, they've... Brighton, on one hand, have got uh, a few years of building a team that fit well with their ethos. And Newcastle have got a million million pounds do you know what I mean so you know th- those are people with a decent uh, clientele on their on their roster however so have we you know we've got uh, you know you'd, you'd argue four of the top ten best strikers in the league you know mm. well if you were a bit you know <laughs> a bit biased but yeah, do you know what I mean I, I, I don't think I don't think we're using them correctly and I, and I don't think we've actually found what our what our best formation is. I, I would love to take a page out of Newcastle's book and take a page out of Brighton's book and play the football that they play because it's exciting, it's attacking, and it absolutely strikes the fear of God into into teams that have just tried to park the bus, like Reading, for example. OK. Um, I, this, the, there's one thing in that that I disagree with. And, and do you know what? I've got to be honest, I didn't actually watch very much of Newcastle last season. I'm, I, I've never been particularly fussed about Newcastle. But um, I, I like Brighton. I've always liked Brighton and I wanted Brighton to go. Whenever Brighton were on the TV, I would I would watch them. And they were on the TV a fair old, uh, fair old bit. So I, I saw quite a bit of Brighton last season. And th- there, are, there were as many games where, for whatever reason, Brighton just didn't get into their flow, where it wasn't happening for them. And they were able to change very quickly to a style of play which was we're not going to concede and you know what we're going to get a lucky goal and they always seem to do it they would get they got quite a lot of late winners last season including against us where they weren't great against us at no um at, um at their place and they got that that late winner um they've just got a way of being able to switch from one style to another so they'll they will go out and they'll have a go at teams but if it's not happening for whatever reason they're very good at winning games in in quite an ugly fashion as well is it the fact that we just haven't got the blend right or is it that our players aren't good enough to be able to switch from one system to another halfway through a game um and pull it off that's that's an excellent point because i think it's a bit of both i think we are uh you know some people some of the messages i've had were you know stokey on twitter he said that we're six or seven away from uh from having a uh you know a, a decent squad that we need. He said that we need somebody in midfield, somebody like, ironically, Aaron Moy in midfield, who yeah. who I thought was a standout player of the playoffs himself. I thought he was incredible. We do need one of those players. And you do need a... Christ, we talk about it like we talk about Jose Semedo, you know, like a, an enforcer in the middle of the park. But uh, Aaron Moy is a ball-playing enforcer. And that's what that's 
that's where the difference is. You know, he's he's a box to box midfielder, like an old school Paul Gascoigne or uh, Gerard or, or Michael Carrick, though, that Gareth Barry in the old days, that type of player. The one that, that on Championship Manor would just be described as a MC. They would, you know, <laughs> that, that's that's what we need. And the but closest we've, we've, we've got, got to one. that is Kieran Lee. Yeah, but we've we've got. I, one. I don't think. But we don't we don't supplement him enough. I mean, do, do you remember back in the days of Chris Brunt, where we we had this incredible player? I mean, he's absolutely, as far as we were concerned, at that level, you know, world class player. And there was a few times where he'd try a little step over, he'd try a trick, or even he'd try a bread and butter ball to play through everybody. And there were times when the players around him went, "I didn't know we were going to do that." And, and it would kind of confuse our own team. And sometimes I think Kieran Lee can do that. There's a few times where he plays a sideways one or a backwards one because I don't think the players around him realise how, how good he actually is and, and they don't move for him as much. And I know that's a hell of a statement to make, don't get me wrong. And I'm not, I did have some examples to back it up, but there were a few in that Huddersfield game where he'd have the ball at his feet and he could have easily played a a lovely 10-yard straight-line pass to, to this guy, but didn't he check out and move backwards? And I think that's a lack of confidence in the players around him. And I think if we... Kieran Lee, for me, is a, is a player that we should build the team around. And if we stuck an Aaron Moy next to him as well, where one could change to be the enforcer and the other one could, uh, could be the uh, ball player and they would switch that role between themselves as opposed to just having Barry Bannon in the Hollywood ball or Sammy Hutchinson kicking a man. You know what I mean? There doesn't seem to be enough... Um, versatility in those two players' games for me. I mean, fair points in, in some regards. I think that I think Kieran Lee is one of the best central midfielders in the league. Um, you know, I think he is up there or thereabouts as the best player that we've got. And maybe we all suffer a little bit from the fact that we maybe didn't account for just how bad the injury problems we had last season were because Kieran Lee is, is without doubt our best midfielder. You lose yeah. him, you know, it, it, it's noticeable that the teams that went up didn't have problems with their key players being out injured for large parts of the season. You know, Aaron Moy wasn't missing for large parts of the season for Huddersfield, was he? Um, and, you know, you, you're right in terms of talk, you talk about building your team around Kieran Lee, but Kieran Lee's got to be there for you to be able to do that. And, and he was missing for, what, the majority of the season. Um, and I'm going to include Gary Hooper in this bracket as well, because I think yeah. that the way that we play when Gary Hooper's on the pitch is considerably better than when he's not. So I think you Definitely. talk about, you know, we've talked so many times about the spine of the team. And I think, you know, Hutch is part of that. I think that Kieran Lee is part of that. I don't think that Bannon is. I think that Bannon's dispensable. And I think that he was probably at his limit last season in terms of, of, of what he can do now and where he can go. Um, I think yeah. if he's playing alongside Kieran Lee week in, week out, he, he probably does perform better. But um, I think that I think that we've got to be aiming higher than that. I think we might already have the answer, by the way. I'll come on to that in a bit. And, and Hooper. And ultimately, Jordan Rhodes has got to be part of that spine because um, he is a goal scorer. He's scored a lot of goals in this league. I don't think there's anyone that's scored more goals in the championship than Jordan Rhodes has. Um, and we've got to make use of that. We've, we've got to find a way of making that work. Yeah. And that's got to be what, it's yeah. got to be what they're working on now. They've, they've got to be locked in rooms. And, you know, I noted earlier today that they've got rid of quite a few backroom staff. I think it's four or five backroom staff have been um, released, let go, fired, whatever you want to call it. It sounds like it's mostly like physios and, and fitness um, staff and stuff like that. So they obviously feel there's a new approach needed from, from that point of view, which you would hope is, is going to be about 
we've got to keep the players that we've got fit because we can't afford to you can't afford to replace Gary Hooper you can't afford to replace Kieran Lee whoever you bring no. in in reserve is not going to be as good because there is only Newcastle that can afford to have you know quality quality players sat not even in the 18 that can be sat doing nothing twiddling the thumbs that you just bring them in when you need them we aren't at that level we can't have that um no you right. I, 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 I think I agree with you I think um that Alman Abdi could well be that answer. I don't think we've really seen him play at all. I think the games that he played last season, he was obviously... I mean, fair enough, we, we have this kind of loving thing, don't we, with, with Watford because the amount of players that they've sold us. I think they saw us coming when they told Alman Abdi. He'd played the majority of games for them in the Premier League the year before and they've obviously thought, right, we've got this injury problem with him that we need to sort out or do we just sell him? Let's just get three million quid and sell him and we'll buy someone else. Um, and we bought him and he must have been carrying a knot when we bought him because he, he yeah. never got out of first gear, did he? Now, if, if we can get him to the player that we know he can be and we can make him part of that spine as well, then him and Kieran Lee, both very good footballers, intelligent footballers, good brains, um, and that could well solve that problem. I'm not making excuses, but injuries just tore us apart last season. They really did. And I, I'm not sure there were that many teams um, in the championship that would have been able to deal with the injury issues that we had on that scale. I just don't think there is. No, I I, all, I, all the teams I, I, that I had those kind you. of injuries didn't finish in the top six. No, you're right. You're right. There, there was nobody with their big star players out at, um, at the key times that we had. I mean, the, the, the Hooper loss... Uh, you and I were there for that one, weren't we? We saw him grimace as he was getting carried yeah. off at, uh, at Fulham behind the back. It was that that one that behind the back of the goal. It was, it was and yeah. um, and it looked it, it looked unpleasant, and um, and yeah, and I think we missed him because I I, I love the movement of Gary Hooper, and I, there, there's a lot of fans on Twitter that are um, that echo that, and it, and and there's there's a there's a point now of. I think Hooper is being assembled as this messiah that went his back. We're all going to be all right and everybody's going to be fine. But so anyway, so yes, I agree that, yeah, maybe Al Alman Abdi could be that play. He could be. We've seen flashes of billions for him. Uh, but, you know, he, he's not got into first gear yet. And hopefully, a, you know, a summer out and, and being under the physio, might be able, he might be able to play alongside Kieran Lee and we can have one of those hard-hitting as well as classy midfields, which we all want. You know what I mean? Because I think games are won and lost in midfield. And, uh, you know, we've spoken before about um, about Jose Semedo. I think he's a waste of a shirt and a wage budget, me. But, you know, I, I like the way he bleeds for the club. But um, I've got to bring this back to the, uh, to the Huddersfield uh, playoff. Uh, like I've, got, uh, I've got a tweet here from, uh, from Jeff, Jeff SWFC on Twitter. And uh, I asked for some feedback for tonight's show and, and, and about what we were talking about. And, uh, and Jeff says, I'm still angry. I'm angry because this was the best chance we'll ever have. Huddersfield away. Huddersfield going into it, bang out of form. They were there for the taking and we gave them too much respect. We sat back and let them play. Letting them play allows them to build on something, gain confidence and remember what they were good at all season. We should have steamed into them. We played with fear in the playoffs and Brazil... We played with fear in the playoffs. Brazil played like if you score two, we'll score three. We played like God. I hope you don't score one. But if you do, we'll try and score two, which I, you know, to an extent, I, I, I do agree with. I, I think we should have gone in with a bit more, a bit more bite into the um, into the first leg, because I think they were there for the taking. We did give them a little bit too much respect. And I that's, think that's just dead easy to say in hindsight, isn't it? 
it, it, it is too easy to say in hindsight, you know, and I, and I do want to say I've been saying it all season, you know what I mean? And it is, yeah, right, it is very is, easy yeah. to, you know what I mean? It is very easy to go afterwards. Oh, we should have done this and we should have done that. But um, but I, I think we started slow. Um, I mean, Christ, in the first half, we had no shots on target. Oh, oh, sorry, the whole game, we had no shots on target. Not one shot on target. I mean, that's embarrassing given the people we've got up front. I mean, what, 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 you know, what, I can't. How can a team with Forestieri, Rhodes, Winnell, even Bannon, no, you know, not get a shot on target? Wallace, you know what I mean? What, 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 what did Carlos tell him in that game to do? You know, if you go past the halfway line, you're getting fined because that's the, that's the way it seemed to me. Yeah, it was. It was probably. It was probably too far that way. I mean, you know, it, it was. There was a game plan. That game plan was to contain and not to concede. And um, it, it, uh, at the time, I would have argued to Lars Blue in the face that it was the right game plan to to, to play. That we had to go out and make sure that we didn't. Because if Huddersfield scored one, then that could have that could have been the end. That could have completely killed the game for us. So I think it would have given us a kick up the ass. I, I, you know, well, possibly, but the, again, this is one of these things, isn't it? That it didn't happen, so we we don't know. I mean, ultimately, no. um, you know, we we the only time that anything really happened, I mean, it was it was a fairly dire playoff tie altogether. Yeah, it was crap. It was, but they always I didn't, I didn't enjoy the home leg at all. Um, but when we scored, that at that point, that's when we with with the tactics that we played over the tie we should have shut that game down. And the fact that we let Huddersfield back into it, that's the thing that I'm really disappointed about. There's no yes, point when that I, happens, I then this, going back to the first the... leg saying, we should have done this, we should have done that. When you go 1-0 up, you should be able to defend that that lead. And that, was, that, for me, is the disappointing bit. The fact that we did all the hard stuff, we kept the clean sheet at, at Huddersfield, we bided our time in the, um, in, in the second leg, we took the chance when it came... Uh, I've got to be honest, I've not watched any of the highlights back of it, still even now. I can't, I've not seen the goal, and I've got no interest still in seeing right. it. I've been told by a few people that it was a good goal, that it was a good finish from Fletcher, and that he did well. My dad was telling yes. me um, yes. on, on Thursday, oh, it was a good finish. So I was like, I don't know. I've got no idea, and I don't want to see it. I don't want to see any of the replays of any anything that happened in that game. I just want to put it to bed. But the the mistake that we made was letting Huddersfield back into the game. And you know, if if we went on and scored another two or three in that home leg, then you wouldn't be talking about well, we got this wrong in the away leg, then because we've we've done it. You know, let's say that Forestieri scores yeah, the penalty, right. and in sudden death we we you know we win the penalty shootout. That's the problem that I've got with the argument when people go back to stuff and and go over it again and again. If at the time we kind of accept, and I know that you didn't, but if at the time you accept that, all right, <laughs> it's a decent result. To go there, keep a clean sheet, bring them back to Hillsborough, uh, at, starting from from scratch, it just becomes a normal game of football. And we all acknowledge that actually that was, you know, that was on paper that was a good result. Um, I think it's just, I just think it's it's harsh and actually a bit, just a bit foolish then to go back to to revisit that at the end of the game. It's a bit, I, I, it's I get that. I understand point that, but not one shot on two. Uh, so we can go back to five or six games through the season. We could go back to the Burton game at the start of the season and say, well, if we'd not conceded that goal there and then we'd have scored one and won that game and then you know, we'd not conceded that late goal at Birmingham. But it's pointless, isn't it? It's pointless dragging up stuff that's that's been and gone. You can only control what happens I, I, here and now. I agree with your theory. Don't get me wrong. We all sat here. I mean, 
you know, we we sat in this podcast and we said that, you know, I think everybody was saying that's a good result. We've got a clean sheet. And, and I think I said it's an OK result because personally, I think that Huddersfield were there for the taking. But then to go there with the form that they were in and not get one shot on target for me is it's it's embarrassing. But yes, you're right. I think the, the, the bit where we truly lost it was letting Huddersfield back into the tie at Hillsborough. I think there was a a huge element of complacency from the fans and from the players. And as soon as we broke that deadlock, when Fletcher broke that deadlock, we thought that we were going to absolutely trounce it. This is us. We're going to be mint now. Get your phone light on. Let's start singing. We're laughing. And what we did, we did a full Stuart Gray. We went 1-0 up and went, yep, that's us. We're we're, we're not going to try anymore. We'll take a sit back. We'll we'll turn the pressure off. And we didn't kill it dead. It's like that scene where the, the, the Viper versus the Mountain in Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? <laughs> he should have finished him off, and he didn't. Uh, you know, you killed my, you killed my daughter and my son. You know what I mean? He should have just killed him off. But instead, we got our heads closed. Okay, well, you know, it <laughs> it, it happened, didn't it? Um, it it was silly that we conceded the goal. It was absolutely silly. It was silly that we scored it for them. You know, it was an own goal. Um, again, yeah, I've yeah. not I've not watched it back. I don't know how clear an own goal it was or wasn't, but. Um, you know, it it happened. Let's let's talk, and we, we've touched on this slightly when we talked about Alman Abdi. Let's talk about recruitment. A few okay. people have mentioned this. Uh, John Wigston mentioned this on um, on on Twitter, asking our, our thoughts on recruitment. Uh, Blair Hardman um, said that he was really disappointed in our recruitment. Now we we signed a fair yeah. old number of players altogether last season. I'm not sure it's necessary for us to, to kind of talk about them all, but maybe if we both pick someone that we were impressed with and then someone that we were yeah. disappointed in um, is is probably a way to do it. And I'll, I'll kick this off and I'm, I, I, I'll probably get berated for this because I've seen this guy get so much stick. But the person <laughs> I'm going to pick out and say that someone that at times impressed me um, was Adam Reach. I think that right. um, Adam Reach showed me enough to make me think that when we've got him playing correctly in the system that we're going to play in um bearing in mind you know we signed him part way through the season it was the back end of august wasn't it It was deadline day actually in august that we that we signed him and in the championship now you're already a month into the season uh by the end of august yeah um so um i at times saw him do stuff that i thought this guy will come good for us um i know he, he got a fair old bit of stick from a lot of people and i've seen a heck of a lot of people actually saying that they think he was the biggest flop of the season and they're probably going to be laughing at me now for the fact that I've picked him out as someone that um, impressed me and I will I will point out that that is you know at times he's Im- impressed me um, and I think that um, you know I, I, I will say this and again I'll probably get some stick for it I think that he's a better player when Forestieri isn't on the pitch because it allows him to do what he does, which is very different to what Forestieri does. And they're kind of both fighting in that same kind of corner of the pitch, aren't they? Um, so um, I think that we've we've got something in, in reach that could come really good. Um, and at times last season, I was quite excited about thinking, you know, moving forward, the future with him could be really good. I agree with you. No way. <laughs> I know that's, I know that's, uh, yeah, I know that's terrible radio, and I'm really sorry, and I really should come up with some, with some counterpoint. But I actually agree with you. I think, I think Reach, uh, when played right, when Forestier is not on the pitch, stealing the limelight, as he, as he invariably would, not in a negative way. He's just, he's just a, he's an exciting player to watch. But I think Reach, 
actually can get you get your bum off the seat. You can make some marauding runs. And I think uh, you and I went to Bristol City away, and I think there was a there was a, a lateral run that reached it across the uh, across the pitch for the first goal. And and I thought that was really clever. And then the ball came over the top. I thought that was actually bloody exciting. And there's times when he comes out, and it, and when we play him at fullback. I much prefer him than the fullbacks we've got as well. Mm. Like, you, you know, I, I I actually quite like Reach. That and he's a, you know he's a good looking fella. So you know, tick he's tick all around man. for he's me a on there. Beautiful man. Um, I know you were <laughs> on, you were on, on the uh, the pod that we did the other week. So I'm I'm going over old ground here, but I feel that it's relevant. Yeah. Um, and yep. we we just touched on the idea of um, exploring us playing a three at the back system, playing three centre halves and yeah. playing with wing-backs. And I think that Reach would just be... He would be fantastic in that kind of role. So he can do both. You know, he's actually a pretty good defender. Um, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's fit, he's in good shape. He can get up and down the, the wing and it will allow him to also attack but without having to be an out-and-out <laughs> winger, which I'm not actually sure suits him that well. I think he likes, um, you know, getting back at times and he likes the putting the work in and, Doing a wing back role rather than an out and out winger role, um, I I just I I don't think it'll happen, but I get really excited at the thought of us looking at that. No, I I agree with you, and I think we um, I think going into recruitment and and setups and things like that, I would happily chuck Hutch into the centre midfield role. I, th- I think um, not the centre mid, the centre back role, yeah. uh, centre half half position, because it then. Gives us a um, an option for a better ball playing midfielder. I like Hutch. Don't get me wrong. I really like him, but I uh, I think that he, he loses his head a bit too much because he's so committed. And, and you know, it's some, in some respects, it's not a negative trait to have. But I, you know, with Lee's Luvens and Hutch in that in that three at the back, and then um, and then Reach as a, as a wing back, that could be that could be very exciting to watch. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't, you know, as long as it's not Liam Palmer on the other side. No, well, I mean that's that's a bit of a um, bit of a problem, isn't it? Because we've got you know two two right backs effectively. Um, mm. Liam Palmer, who is the better defender, Jack Hunt, who's the better attacker. But when you're playing a three at the yeah. back system, you're playing with wing backs. You need to be good at both. Um, so whether are either of them really up to it? I don't know. I mean, Hunt would be the more obvious one because that's kind of what he does. You know, he loves getting yeah. forward, whereas Liam Palmer does tend to get a nosebleed when he finds himself in the final third of the pitch, doesn't he? Um, he's not. So, he's not intelligent know, enough reach, as a footballer. Reach and Hunt, I, I I could see that kind of system working with Reach and Hunt. I don't know whether or not you'd yeah. be able to build uh, a team that's going to be pushing for top two, which has got to be the target for next season with those as your wing-backs. I think Reach, yes. Hunt, I don't know. And I don't, have we got enough money to be no. looking at investing in, 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 in those areas? There's got to be no, high well, priorities. We, we've spent half of next season's transfer budget already, haven't we, on Jordan Road? So we've kind of got what we've got. But um, I think there was, there was one... Um, you know, there was there was one point offered up. Uh, I can't remember who it's from now. I think it was Stokey again, actually, that said that a lot of our players... Are uh, are quite aged at the minute right now, and um, you know where are we now? An aging old squad. Do we need to start recruiting again? Do we have the funds to start recruiting again? Do we have the spaces in the squad? Are we though? I mean, yeah, Fletcher obviously is. um, You know, the the I wouldn't say twilight of his career because he he doesn't he doesn't do a lot. You know, he he can carry on 
the the no. style of play that, that he plays, he can carry on until he's about 35, 36, um, <laughs> and and he'd be fine. Um, but you've got Leuven's obviously, who's you know the 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 top side of of thirty now. You've got Semedo, yeah. who we all assume is is going to go anyway. A million. Um, yeah. Who is Westwood? But, that doesn't matter. I think you know, nope. goalkeepers are better in their thirties, and he's only like thirty-one. I think Westwood thirty-two. It's an absolute push. <laughs> so he's you know, he's probably still got another five or six years in him playing at, at this level easily. Um, yeah. You know, Wallace is is a worry because I think Wallace over the course of the season w- was still our best you know right sided player. Um, oh, but that, that's, even that's with Wallace, Wallace is only 32. We speak about Ross Wallace like he's 36, 37. He's only 32. He's not He's not a million years old. I, th- I do think we do need to recruit two or three players to, to fit in, let's say, this system that we're talking about now. But, you know, I, 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 do we think age is an issue? Not just yet. I'd, I'd assume with that. I, yeah, I'm not. it's not something that I'm particularly worried about. And I think that... Um... You, you can quote loads of stats about you know teams that got get promoted with a really low average age, but you know generally experience is what sets you in good stead Definitely. in the championship. And, Definitely. Um, you know having players who've been there and and done that, um, and and actually you know a player that I was quite close to picking as, as 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 the player that impressed me would actually have been David Jones because I think that yeah. he he's shown a real class a real quality about him. He's been there. He's done it. He's got a steady head, and again, you know, he was someone that we generally played out of position because we were playing him to cover Hutcher's position when he wasn't there. Yeah. That's not his natural role, um, as I learned from his dad in great depth at QPR away, um, <laughs> who um, seemed quite annoyed at the fact that he's been played out of position every week because it means he's not really been able to show us what he can do. But um, you know, again, he's a, a player that's you know, pushing around that, that 30 age mark. So um, it, it's less likely that it's going to be played in those attacking roles um, and ends up, you know, it's the old Rooney factor, isn't it? That you, you end up becoming more of a, a, a yeah. deep lying midfielder because um, you, you don't have to do as much work. So who would be, who who, who are you going to pick out then as, as the new recruit that impressed you? Uh, well, uh, you know, you, you've, got, you've got a few there. So you've got, let's say we've got Rhodes. And we scored every goal in May, while or April was it? While Rogers on the on the pitch. No, the, that, I think that applies to the whole of twenty seventeen. This this calendar well, year, yeah. <laughs> we've not scored a goal without Jordan Rhodes on the on the pitch. Which which show which genuinely shows the work rate of, of the guy. You know what I mean? And I thought, you know, fair play. I when Morgan Fox first signed and we saw him down at Bristol City, mm-hmm. I thought yeah. we've got a decent player here. He might he might be all right. He doesn't seem to have kept that standard up if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, when Stephen Fletcher signed, I was very, very excited. I used to love Stephen Fletcher. When he played for Sunderland, he was one of those marauding attacking midfielders that would get in behind the defence, get the byline and whip one in and then somebody had tot it in and he'd be like, ah, brilliant. We've not had that player. We've had a an ageing Scotchman that kicks people and headbutts people mm-hmm. and, and digs in. And, and you know, I, I don't want that Stephen Fletcher. I want I want the one that was good with the ball at his feet. And, and and even when he's been playing, for my opinion, when he's been playing quite average, the last few games is that he's been getting a few because he's not because he's not afraid to stick his head where everybody else is swinging a boot, and it's worked out for him quite well. I mean, I, I, how many has he scored in the last what was it six or seven games? He, he nearly got one a game, didn't he? And, um, yeah. and uh, but he's not played particularly well. So in terms of stats. Fletcher has been a hell of a signing, but 
the one I liked the most that we didn't see enough of, from from my opinion, was Winnell. I really like Winnell, and okay. the fact that well, if we go back to that second leg at um, at Hillsborough, the fact that um, Atty knew who got on the pitch and Sammy Winnell didn't, again, I thought was an absolute travesty. I, I was, you know, I thought this is this is nuts. This how how is knew who on the field in a game like this? I thought it was absolutely insane. We, we, we're going to have to cover the subjects of New Year at some point, but um, shall we come back to that when we've um, <laughs> yeah when, when we picked our 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 disappointments of the um, of the new. <laughs> but I, I I like Winnell. Winnell for me is a, a a very bustling young man, and he clearly clearly likes winning, and he clearly likes you know hitting hard and getting what he wants and, and being where he wants to be in his life and his career, regardless of who he steps on. He's one of those players to me that if you said to him, kick your nan in the face and, I'll, and you'll win the league, his nan's going to be in hospital that day. You know what I mean? He, he, he's, he's one of those people. And uh, and I quite like that in a footballer, those win-at-all-cost types, which I don't think we breed very well in this country. If you look at somebody who like Diego Costa, or Luis Suarez, which are you know regarded as one of the top five strikers in the world right now. Um, these are all people that would round out their granddad for a biscuit. You know what I mean? They you know, win at all costs. I mean, they are you know Diego Costa is what, what they refer to him as on Paddy Power, King of the Bastards. You know what I mean? He's he's just incredible. I don't know who's worse. You know, um, uh, John Snow. Uh, what, what's the other one? Uh, Ramsey Bolton and uh, and Diego Costa. I don't know who's the worst one. To be fair, I don't know who is king of the bastards. But um, but yeah, these these ones are just people that would absolutely smash your back, you know, smash your spine just just to get a goal. And I like that about Winnell. And I think we we have too many people whose reputation precede him, as opposed to who's in current form, which is why he's not getting on the pitch as much as what he should. It was a bit weird, wasn't it, that after um, he, he played him at Barnsley yeah. and he scored at Barnsley, um, and yeah, yeah, it was his yeah, former yeah. club, and a, a lot had been said, and he got a point to prove. And then he didn't feature again, did he? For you know, a good few games, he he just yeah. vanished, um, and we all thought that he picked up an injury. And I think in, in the end, some of the Radio Sheffield lads asked Carlos about it, who just you know it became apparent that actually there's no injury problem there. He just didn't feel that they were the right games for him, and, and he, he wasn't getting near the. Um, near the team do, do you wonder if um, we kind of talk about the fact that, that Winall's got that you know he will chase everything he'll run after everything he's got 100% commitment yeah. do you think with the style of play that Carlos is, was trying to get us playing last season that maybe that just didn't fit that he likes a player that's quite consistent that knows his job and does it rather than just chasing after things and, and trying to you know live off scraps if you like maybe I, I, there's an element of that to it you know would Winall leave his position to go and chase down the lost cause if he thought he'd be able to get it. Yeah, that, that is that is a trait that he, that he has. But I think there's there's raw talent in that kid and uh, and I think we could we could use him more in certain games. Because we've spoke about this before, you know, round takes for round holes and that sort of thing. Instead of playing people out of position, there are games in which you need a specific type of striker. And um there are games in which Jordan Rhodes would be the first name on the team sheet, and there are games where Gary Uper and Sammy Winnell would also be the first game, first name on the team sheet. How many times that he knew his name would be first on the team sheet? I have no idea, but you know, there. And it's nice to it's nice to have that problem, as it were. It, it's nice to have that. When they're all fit, that's going to be a real dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, because all, all, all four of those have got. You know, it's, it's Fletcher does something different, and I think towards the back end of the season, Fletcher was our star 
striker. There's no doubt about that. He was scoring the goals. Um, and again, I, I, I can't remember a lot about the Huddersfield home game, but I've been told by a couple of my friends that <laughs> know a lot more about football than I do, that taking Fletcher off, who was probably our most effective player during that game, was where it went wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, you know, I, I, there's probably something in in that. Um, so you think you know Fletcher's going to have a role to play. Rhodes and Hooper, you know, arguably should be the best strike force in in the league, really. Um, and yet you've got Definitely. Winnell as well, who's you know can stake his his claim to stuff. And then you know whatever else happens, whoever else we bring in, George Hurst banging them in for you know forty goals over the course of the season that George Hurst scored. Um, is is he going to be banging on the the the, the First team door a little bit more next season and and, and trying to make a, a, a play for um for a shirt. It's going to be um almost uncomfortably good, isn't it? You're like, how, well, yeah, how well, on earth are you going to fit all these players in? Well, I think this is where the expectation came from, and I think this is where dropping out the playoffs hurt everybody a little bit. We we do stand there saying, how can a team with these players not get promoted? I I don't understand how we can't beat Uddersfield looking who we have on this team sheet because you know it's a it's a nice position to have it but where do we all fit them i mean we're, we all know about forestieri and his temperament especially if he gets dropped he has got the you know the attitude of a five-year-old child at times you know what i mean so but i can see forestieri getting shoved out to the left a few times and i can see Wimmel getting shoved out to the right and uh and probably roads up from maybe with Hooper, depending on what type of game it is. But I can see that's what's going to happen. I think you might see Ross Wallace dropping out the squad for Sam Winnell more, or maybe that's just wishful thinking. Can I um, just pick it up on something you said in there? And and I'm 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 going to say something I've said to a couple of friends, and I didn't know whether or not to say it on the podcast because I think I'll get some stick for it. Um, does Forestieri have a part to play in terms of starting next season? I wonder I whether think or not. we've all when, thought it. When when we signed Forestieri from Watford and he'd been generally starting off the bench for Watford for two or three seasons and, and we, we all saw what he could do and we are all like, why the heck were Watford not playing him? Now, I get it. I understand now. He had a great first season. Yeah. Last season wasn't as good. And there were times last season where he just went missing. And I can now see why when you're building a squad that's going for promotion, you can't afford to have those players that go missing for a game. You can't have it. You've got to have 11 players who are on the ball week in, week out. Consistency is the key if you're going to get promoted. And Forestieri yeah. is a flair player. He's he's a very good flair player and he can win you games and he will win you points across the, the course of the season. But he'll also lose your points as well. Because if there's a game where he's just not into it, it's just not happening, then um I thought that towards the back end of the season when we had him on the bench and you think that's great, it's a really good option off the bench. If things are going well, then you don't miss him. But if it's a game that's not going your way, you've got a really good option there to bring off the bench. And 12 months yes. ago, if we'd have done this, we'd all have talked about what's the spine of our team for the season ahead. Forestieri would have been one of the first names on that on that list in terms of the fact we've got to build the rest of the team around him. Now, I feel the opposite. Now, I feel like he should be um, our... He's kind of JJ Mark 2. JJ 2.0. You know, he, <laughs> he's actually more effective for us off the bench. And, and he is too temperamental. He's too up and down. He's too hot and cold for us yeah. to actually um, uh, consider him to be uh, one of the first names on the team sheet next season. 
I think we've probably all thought it, especially in this last two or three months. I think every, every Sheffield Wednesday fan at one point has thought, is is Forestieri too explosive personality-wise? Is he too um, too temperamental? Is he too volatile? Is his form a bit sketchy? And is, if that's a, if that's a fair fair thing to say, and we've all thought it, we all have. But when Forestieri's on his game, he's incredible. He's a pleasure to watch. The way he holds the ball up against defenders two foot bigger than him, the way he bends over the ball and he can turn them on a sixpence is is a pleasure to watch. But like you say, he goes missing. And those performances, those where he is turning those defenders, are, are, are starting to dwindle. Those that, that, that number is starting to get smaller. And like you say, I can now see why Watford let him go. I can now see why he's been allowed to move on. And we thought we'd absolutely got a right steal here. We thought, how has this happened? What's gone off here? We've managed to get a right player. And two years in, we've now going, yeah, I get, I get that now. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. You know, and so, you know, if he went and not to, you know, if he went back to Italy, I'd go, cheers, Fernando. You know, thanks a lot. If he went to another championship team, I'd be a bit mardy about it. You know what I mean? That that is something we've been asked. We we got asked quite a few questions about um, Forestieri. So Paul Newby asked whether or not we ever really recovered from you know Forestieri Gate uh, at the start of the season where he went on strike. Um, Daniel underscore SWFC asked what his best position is, and I think we've kind of covered that by saying probably on the bench is his best position. Um, (laughs) But Laura Jones um, asked whether or not, and and I think this is a, a really good talking point. Should we sell Fernando Forestieri? Because we have invested a lot in in Jordan Rhodes, and we don't know the finer details of of, of that deal. But assuming it's like a five year contract, it's ten million quid. It's it's two million per season that's gone out the transfer budget at the start of the season. You know, financial fair play does start to move into the equation this season. We have to be careful. We cannot yeah. go out and just blow loads of money. We can do, but then we've got to get promoted because we're taking the gamble that, that Brighton took and it, and it paid off for them and other clubs have took. Um, Middlesbrough did it and it paid off for them. Um, I, yeah. I don't see yeah, yeah. Um, DC being that kind of chairman. I don't think that that's the kind of no. route that he wants to go down. So... Um, it would actually be very beneficial for us, knowing that we need to strengthen in a few areas, if we were to bring some money in as well. And clearly, the easiest way of doing that is by you know selling an asset. If there's someone that we think actually we we can cope without them, we we can you know rebuild this squad in a different way, losing so and so. For me, Forestier is the only person that I would probably put in that list and think we could actually yeah, afford he's, to he's sell an him asset. and still be able to build the team that we need to build to make a real crack of it next season. And I sort of hate myself a little bit for saying it because he is yeah, I get, I the get only that. player that, that we've got that could actually win a game for you in an instant. We haven't got anyone else like that. He is the flair player. Um, and every every team wants one of those players, don't we? You know, we, you go back to Chris Waddle and um, Di Canio, Carboni, you know, we, we've had these yeah. players who can just, in a second, when they decide, right, uh, we're going to win this one, and they, they they can win you the game. But all those players, with the exception of Waddle, but you know, all, all those players generally ends badly, doesn't it? It, it goes wrong because you know, with flair yeah. become comes temperament and and comes um, difficult to manage and comes disruptive in the. Um, changing rooms. I'm not suggesting that Fernando yeah. is necessarily any of those things, but our record with flair players is generally not brilliant. <laughs> so um, I, 
Do you know what? Yeah, I'd sell him. I'd sell. I'd sell Forestieri this season. I think that is we that, can is build that, did, did, a better squad. Did that squad. just hit you that second? Did you just did you just convince yourself then to go? No, I think yeah, no, I think it. I think I'm I know on. that's what <laughs> I think I know that's how I feel. Um, but I think I've not wanted to say those words to myself because it it sounds. It, it, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, he is arguably in a lot of ways he's the best player that we've got. And he's been brilliant for us. He's been our top scorer for the last two seasons. You know, he's been fantastic. And it, it, uh, you know, as I as I sit here saying it, I think you absolute idiot. What are you talking about? But I think it would give <laughs> us an opportunity to. You know, we, we've we've had to go twice at getting promoted with Forestieri as our star man, and we've not gone up either times. We've got to do something different. Yeah. And um, like I say, I think that we'd be starting him, off, or I think that we should be starting him off the bench anyway. So um, I think that we've we've talked a bit about the the promise that we've seen in Adam Reach, letting Adam Reach have that wing, letting that become his wing, and you know. Build, building the the team around the fact that you know, Reach is playing in that left wing position week in week out. We know that in 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 kind of the the centre attack position, we've got loads of options. That we've already talked about. Do we need a Forest area there as another option to play behind the front two? Actually, Gary Hooper plays very well behind the front two. I imagine that Sam Winall does. Even Jordan Rhodes can play behind a front a front two. Do we do we need Forest area? I think he's the only um, asset that we've got that's worth money. If we tried to sell New Who, if we tried to sell Samedo, it wouldn't really make a dent in the wage budget and we wouldn't really get much for him. However, Forestieri is our most expensive, and dare I say, expendable asset. I think we can still do as well, if not better, without him and still save some money on the financial fair play. And I think you're right. I think, you know, it's horrible to say, but... uh, you know, people, other teams aren't sat there worrying about Adam Reach. They're going, oh, what we're going to do with Forestieri because he's a bit of a live wire. And sometimes you can end up in the top of the league just being off the radar with average players, a la Middlesbrough last year. And um, I don't disagree with you, but on the other hand, what are you on about? It's Fernando Forestieri. You know what I mean? I know. I, I feel like I've got that going on in my own head at the moment. You know, I've, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, 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 not convinced I'm fighting on myself. That, yeah. I'm arguing myself. About this, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be interesting to see what happens as to, um, you know, if there is if there is a chance that he moves on, and if 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 he doesn't, if he's still a Wednesday player, where does Carlos see him fitting in? Because he certainly didn't rush him back into the team, did he? He he only really came no. in for the playoff games because Hooper went out. Um, I don't I don't think he'd have started either of those games if um, if Hooper had been in the team. Okay, so recruitment. We've been talking about recruitment. What about outgoings? And what about poor signings that we've had this year? Where do you want to start? Where do you want to go with that? All right. Well, I, if, I love the way I... we're making our format up. This is nice. This, this is, I know, yeah. You know, I, I forgot. We did, we, did, we did start off doing this kind of like neat and tidy. One player yeah, that's yeah. impressed us, one player that we've been disappointed in. Um, the, the player that I'm going to yeah, pick yeah. out as, as who disappointed me the most last season um, was Callum McManaman. And um, yep. I think... I don't think we saw very much of him generally, um, and that for me is part of it because you know we didn't see a lot of Alman Abdi, but we know that he was injured. Um, I, I'm not aware that Callum yeah. McManaman had any great injury issues. I think there were a couple of times he was carrying a knock, um, but you know Carlos didn't see fit to really include him as part of the the team in the second half of the season. And I thought when we signed him, I thought this is you know, that bit of quality. This guy's got Premier League experience. He's yeah. you know, ripped the championship to bits in previous seasons. Um, 
this could be the guy that can deputise for Forestieri. You know, when we need someone that, to come on and do something incredible and just win a game in an instant, this could be the guy. And, it, and not only did it not happen, but um, he, he, Carlos obviously didn't see enough from him on the training pitch to even think that it was particularly worth considering part of the plans in the last few games of the season. He was just gone. He was out. He was out of the squad completely, and and didn't even get a look in. And I trust Carlos on this. I think that you know Carlos sees them in training. If he thinks this guy is not going to add anything. To the to the squad, I've got better options to put on the bench than you know Callum McManaman, who was whatever, however many millions of pound player a few seasons ago, and that for me is really disappointing. And I think that um, you know a lot's been questioned in terms of the issues that are around the the, the player, um, the attitude of the player, uh, and various other things. And so you know, if what we're doing is picking out someone that I was the most disappointed in last season, it would have to be him. I think Manam was a very average signing for me. I think he, uh, I think he, you know, he just, I, I, he was, he, he was one of the standout players when Wigan got promoted to the Premier League and uh, and and has kind of made a career on that. And I, I wasn't really expecting much for him from him, if I'm honest. I think he he was only okay. Uh, one player that did um, let me down because I kind of wanted this to be the. the the move that got his career going a little bit, the, the, the one that gave him a kickstart was Will Buckley. I um, mm. I like Will Buckley as a player, and uh, and when he got when he got his big move from Brighton to Sunderland, I thought this is the guy, you know, this is this is going to happen for him. This and then he and then he fell down a pecking order, and uh, you know he went out on loan to Dirty Leeds, and then he went to Birmingham, and then he came to us, and he's only had a handful of appearances in in about three years, two or three years now from from these clubs and I really wanted Will Buckley to kick on. I really wanted him to be the player that I built up in my head. And I know it seems like an, an average thing, but I just thought, you know, he, he should be all right here, Will, Will Buckley. He should be, you know, he should be a decent player. And, and he never really got in. He never really got a got a crack at a whip. I mean, obviously we, you and I could sit here and talk about Herbie Emanuel or something, but I don't think, uh, I don't think that counts, does it? Hey, he looked all right when he came on against Fulham. <laughs> I'd love to know that. I'd love to know something behind that transfer. I'd love to know what the workings are were it was behind weird, it all. It? Well, I think I, th- yeah. I assume that we signed him because we had this obsession with we've got to have two players for every position. Um, yeah. And we we at that point we didn't really have cover at, at, at left back, did we? We then ended up with Reach, who can cover that position. We went out and bought Fox. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we we ended up with actually more cover than we could possibly need at, at, at left back. Um. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. He's not. He's not really going to be missed, is he, Irby? I think no, 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 no. Yeah, didn't, <laughs> didn't really, didn't really work out. Um, I think a, a fair point actually about Will Buckley there because um, he was someone that I, I'm not. I can't pretend that I was excited when we signed him, but I thought, oh, that's that's a pretty good loan signing. That that's someone that could have you know a real part to play. Yeah. And I remember seeing him play down at um, I think it was Cambridge. Um, in the League Cup quite early on in the season in August. And even then just thinking, God, has this guy actually played in the Premier League? Because he's rubbish. He he really <laughs> didn't offer very much at all. Um, and I think that was probably the only... I, I can't recall really seeing him at all for the rest of the season. I think he's made a few appearances off the bench, but he just didn't have any impact at all, did he? And you, you worry where... No. Where does his career take him now? Because he's yeah, he's... He, 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 he's not championship standard anymore but I th- you know he's under contract to a championship team 
you know, does Sunderland end up, end up having to make a real go of it with with him in the Championship? Next I, season? Think, I think I think he'll end up signing for like. He'll still up signing for somebody like Blackburn for me because I think yeah. he's, uh, he, he, needs, he needs to drop down to take another roll at the dice. All right then. So the on your bike, who apart from Vincent Sasso because you've been you know you've been very vocal on Vincent Sasso all season, especially in, in recent weeks since the Leeds game. Apart from Vincent Sasso, who would you literally give a lift to to play for the Snort Beast down the road? So are we we're not talking about players that are out of contract. Then we're talking about players that we actually want to sell. Uh, but not, not so much that. So now the season's over, either somebody who you're glad to see the back of or somebody that you would sell if right. they're not out of contract. I, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, we've, we've touched on this. I'm, I'm, I'm not disappointed to see McManaman and Buckley go back to their parent clubs. Um, so the players yep. that are out of contract, um, yep, you know, Sasso, um, thank you, but goodbye. Um, um, Irby Emanuelson, uh, again, see you later. Um, I've, I've, I've forgot the name of uh, oh Su, uh, Su, uh, Sugu. He's out of contract, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, gone. Obviously, he's 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 going to go. Um, the, um, the the question mark, I suppose, is about Samedo, isn't it? And whether or not there's a role that he could play. Um, I, I, I said when we talked about this on the pod a couple of weeks back that I'll I'll just trust. Carlos and DC on this if they sit down and talk about it and feel there is still a role for him to play and the wages are correct that it doesn't make a dent elsewhere in the squad um, and they think that it's the right thing to do because he, he clearly does play a, a big you know, behind the scenes role then I'll trust them on that um, and, and, and it stays the same you know, as, as far as we know at the moment he's out of contract and he's not been offered a new contract but there seems to be some questioning as to whether or not there is going to be a contract on the table at some point and we're just a little bit behind everyone else because of the fact that we're in the playoffs. So uh, yeah. I don't know. Beyond that, okay, the, you, the, play, sorry, the players that we need just, to get rid of, the players that we need to ship out. There. Go on. If I, just, if I just break in here, what's interesting about those players that you've just listed, and I don't disagree with any of them, how many of those did we sign at the start of this season? You know what I mean? The, the, you know, we've got yeah. the parent club ones, we've got the lone ones. We, yeah. we, our I mean, recruitment on the whole has been pretty poor. So if we go to, let's move on to Fox, for example. Yeah. What about what about Morgan Fox? Um, I've not seen enough of Fox to be able to really pass judgment on him. I, I actually think that he seemed like um, you know a pretty a, a pretty solid all round fullback. Um, you know, again, he probably falls into that category of. If your if your aim is to be in the top two of the championship, is he of that level? I don't know, but um, I think that we we saw Poodle come back playing a lot better after Fox had his run in the team, uh, and whether that's what you need someone like Fox there for is so that it, it gives Poodle that that boot up the ass when he needs it, then so be it. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry. Where where were you moving on to then? Where were you going with? Where were you going with the? Uh, um, the on this your is bike? the bit that I like. So, the, the players that are under contract that we just want to sell, that we want to get rid yep. of. Uh, Lewis McGugan, right? I I, I yep. said this the other week. I don't care if we get any money for him. Just get rid of him. Give him away. You know, I'll 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 throw I'll throw Bolton a tenner to take him off our hands if if that's what it takes. Get him <laughs> off the wage bill because it's pointless. Um, the the same goes with Mello as well. I can't believe he's still got a year to go on his contract. Like we need him, we need him off the books. He's got to go. 
at whatever cost. Doesn't let's let's not even bother trying to get a transfer fee for him. Just let him go. Let him go. Move him on. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, this probably now brings us quite naturally to the um, to the, the yeah. thing that we've got to talk about, which is actually yeah, the, New Year, the... isn't it? Um, okay. So I did on, on, I, I'm going to give you a scenario. All right. I'm, I'm feeling saucy. I'm going to give you a scenario on this one. We've just discussed selling Forestieri. Would you keep Atinuhu if we sold Forestieri first? Well, no. I mean, you, you can't. They, they're, not, they're not falling in the same category, do they? The, the only reason no, that you keep no, Nuhu is because he is that alternative option when Fletcher's not around. And do you know what? I mean, Carlos seems the... to rate him. Carlos used him a lot more in the back end of the season than I thought he would do. And and to be fair to Atinuhu, when he comes down. on, he can do he can do a job. You know, he can do a job all right. Maybe it's a bit like, you know, you, you've got that really cute dog that it's only got three legs now, but you know, it's a happy little thing. It runs around. <laughs> but sometimes the 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 nice thing to do is to take it to the vet and to have it put down. It's the right thing to do. Maybe the right thing to do is to let Atinuyu go to a club where he's actually going to be able to play some games as a striker and, yeah. and, and do what he wants to do. Because it's not going to Bolton. happen to him here. He, he is going to be, yeah, he, he is going to be um, at very best on the bench, coming on for 10 minutes when we're 1-0 up because he's quite good at holding the ball up. You know, if if, if, if there is yeah. a better player in the championship that you want, when you one nil up, who's taking the ball in the corner and you don't want the opposition to get it from them, I've not seen him because he's brilliant at that. He's superb at that. But is that enough to justify <laughs> just paying someone a wage week in week out for those odd occasions where he's on the bench and you want to bring him on to take the ball into the corner and just basically kick the shit out of anyone that comes near him? Like you're not getting this ball off me, not a chance. So, so in terms of Dave, then you know, is he just a waste of payroll? Well, I I, I start the thing on Twitter, which was the hashtag um, new hello or hashtag at Dios, uh, which took me about <laughs> an hour to come up with. To be fair, uh, lovely. The, the 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 majority of people. So there were Will and Danny who said that he should stay. Uh, we got John, Jill, Steve, uh, James, Hayden, Mike, John, all saying that he should um, he should go. I, I wonder whether part of this, you know, is psychological. Is now the time for us to say, right, you know, he's one of the few ties to the Stuart Gray era, even the Dave Jones era. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, he, he, it's, he's done all right for us. It's never really happened, has it? He's never been superb no. in a Wednesday shirt. He at times. I tell you what, it's a good job thinking Lord Hillsborough here, but, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. He'll, he'll be um, he'll be furious when he listens to this. He'll be he'll... spitting his brandy out with Lord Hillsborough at this. Yeah. It won't be happening. We can, <laughs> we can. I tell you what. Next week, tune in. It'll be just Vic and Lord Hillsborough talking about Dave Natinuhu. Yeah, and uh, you, can, you can listen to that one. The the Atty podcast. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd I'd get rid. I'd get rid. I, I think we could get yeah we could get some money for him. Yeah, if it was only like half a million or something like that, um, yeah. it's um, it's something. There is a country out there that plays the type of football that he plays that will do very well. Like uh, what springs to mind is Scandinavian football. They love those big talismanic mm. strikers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They they think they're great. There's one at Malmo now called uh, Rosenberg, uh, or there was that Milic, uh, Milik last year at Ajax, for example. He, even in the Netherlands, they they love their big their big lad strikers. Yeah. And, um, and I think that. You know, he'd fit in well in that sort of football. We play a lot faster pace a game, uh, faster paced game, and um, 
it's 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 just he's just not for me. He's not for me. So I'm just trying to think uh, what else I've got to go. I've got uh, Gary Morton on Twitter says that um, well he agreed with me all season because uh, you know he thinks I'm mate. I think I'm bloody he thinks I'm rubbish. In it, he says uh, he says that you know we've. Uh, We've got the best squid in the league. Uh, best squid, best squad in the league. It's uh, it just doesn't make the best use of it, according to uh, Cavalier, which I think, take, according to Gary about Cavalier, I think it takes us lovely into uh, Cavalier staying or going. Now we know he's staying. That that's happened, and I think, and I, and again, rare occasion here, James. I agreed with everything you said on the last podcast about the type of chairman that uh, Chancery is about stability and about um, and about going forward. And, and I think it, it's good for the club that we've stayed with him. Do I think he's made some howling errors, especially towards the back end of the season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but, yeah I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. But I think that, um, I think that it, we've, we've, we've made the right decision in keeping Carlos at, at the minimum till Christmas. Do you, do you know what, Fudge? We've done an absolutely terrible job of this thing tonight because this was supposed to be us arguing for an hour, and yet yeah, all we've actually done is agreed. You know, we even forced poor poor Rich into making that boxing style poster <laughs> for us about you know James versus Fudge, the showdown, and yet we've generally agreed on everything. We've What's going wrong? We've not drunk enough, have we? That's the problem. Yeah, that, that's maybe we I'm need not, we need a few more beers in our system for this to uh, for this to work. <laughs> Uh, well, so, okay, so right, so Paul Newby, he said uh, all that build up for a disappointment at the end sounds like a promotion bid. You can't get a staff these days. So yeah, he um, he also saying that um, that you know, I think we feel as, as fans we feel really bitter about it. And I, I and I wanted to ask you this question. This was the question I kind of wanted to finish on. Is it worse going out at Wembley in the final or limping out as we did? Which was oh, worse? Right, okay. Um, for for me. Without any doubt whatsoever, um, I um, I was a lot worse after Wembley, a lot worse after Wembley because you're you're so close. You can actually reach out and touch the Premier League when you're at Wembley, and particularly the way that that day went, where it was what was it like thirteen minutes to go and they scored, and yeah. you're like, this is annoying. Like you can see the finishing line in sight, and yet we drifted away from it. Um, the the Huddersfield game, I had the day off afterwards, and yeah, I sulked for a day, and I really did sulk for for a day, and you know, I had to cancel my hotel reservation down in London for the for the final, oh. uh, and that hit me pretty hard. And then after that, I just thought, Do you know what, it doesn't. At least, at least, I've not had to spend a fortune going to London, staying there for two days. I drink ridiculously expensive <laughs> beer, so um, you know, I've saved myself yeah. about six pound a pint. Um, yeah. And um, it just felt like um, less of an inconvenience to go out in the semi-finals. Yeah, you know, the, the, <laughs> the thing was, I think for for me, it's 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 weird because I, I said this the other week, and I, I've not said it through the course of the rest of the season. I said to my friends several times through the season, I said, I think we'll make the playoffs. I think we'll lose in the semi-final. When when they scored at Hillsborough, I just knew. You know, for me, I I almost. I almost made my peace with it there and then because I, I you know, I, I just knew it was, it wasn't our time. It wasn't our season. It had not been our season all season long, had it? You know, at no point did no. we ever think, oh, we, you know, we are storming this. We're, we're in our flow and we're storming it. We had a couple of good runs and that was it really. You know, we, it, it wasn't our time. It wasn't our season. 
Um, so actually, quite quickly for me, I was able to make make peace with it uh, and move on. I think there are other people that have found it a lot more difficult, and and there'll be some people that would say that losing in the semis, and uh, you know, it's the age old football saying, isn't it? That at least if you lose in the final, you've had your day out and and all that kind of stuff. Losing in the semi final is is worse. But we had that the year before, and. Um, if it's That's not going right. to be our season, <laughs> I would rather us just, you know, if we're going to lose, let's just lose, um, and then okay. you know, let's let's move, let, let's concentrate on next season. Let's concentrate on well, building things for next season. One of one of the things that was brought up was the, um, and it was uh, Sharpie, the Sharpie on Twitter. He yeah. uh, he asked me a personal question actually. He said, "What disappoints him most is the no, not the." whether we got the semi-final or, or whether we got the final or whatever, it's, was that one of the best chances we're going to get in the Premier League, given what's coming down and given what's gone up? Um, yeah, no. Um, th- there's never going to be an easy um, season to get out of this league. And we we are talking about, you know, there, there are probably more than half a dozen teams in the Championship next season who have parachute payments of some sort? I mean, I believe Wigan are still getting parachute payments at the moment. Yeah, you know, they're still getting money. Uh, it's yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's astonishing. Um, so there, you know, we, we're, we're, the, there are teams that we are just not on an even footing with, uh, and the situation was the same last season, and it was the same the season before, and we competed, and you know, we we were able to get where we where we finished. Um, so yeah, I, I I can see that point. I can see that argument, but it's a little bit like saying, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't have got relegated from the Premier League in two thousand because then we wouldn't have to worry about going back up. It's like we didn't go up, and and that's it. And if it, of course it's a missed opportunity. Every time you get to the playoffs and you don't go up is a missed opportunity. The season before was a bigger missed opportunity because we were at the final. You know, we were one goal away from being in the Premier League. Um, I think yeah. the nature of, of the season as it unfolded and the fact that it didn't have that excitement, it didn't have that that buzz about it that the season before had. Yeah. We're kind of looking for you know some something to blame or, or we want to hit out about it. You know, there weren't many people saying oh, it's such a missed opportunity. And there weren't many people getting angry after we lost to Hull in the playoff final because we'd overachieved. No. And, and this time around, yes. people want. You know, it's the same reason that people are berating. Jordan Rhodes for saying that he didn't feel confident taking a penalty, which is the most ridiculous <laughs> argument it. I've ever yeah. heard from football fans ever. The fact that a player says, I don't feel very confident, and the manager says, all right, well, we've got five of the players that want to take them, so they'll, they'll go and take them. And people say Jordan Rhodes <laughs> has cost us a place in the Premier League. Nonsense. No. I've never heard so much utter, utter rubbish from football fans. Anyway, off yeah. on a tangent there. Um, yeah. yeah basically, it's just, I think it's just a natural thing for us to just think, oh, you know, is that, it? Is, that, is that our chance gone? No, we'll have a great season next season. We'll have a damn good go at the, uh, at the top two. I, I said this the other week that we've got one thing that no other team that's knocking around the championship has now which is that we've got consistency we've had the same manager now for three seasons he's the third longest serving manager in the championship which sounds ridiculous um but he is you know there there is only um who was i looking at um there is uh, preston and obviously someone else and i can't think who the other person who the other team is that have whose manager's been there for um for longer, but you know, it, it 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 is what it is. You know, Carlos is now a long-serving manager. He knows these players. He knows this club, and that can give us an advantage that someone like 
yeah, Sunderland and Middlesbrough and Hull, they've all got plenty of money. None of them have got a manager. And so they're going to be starting yeah. from scratch this, this, this summer with someone that's going to come in and um, they're going to think, right, I want to change things. And actually, they've all got the money to change things. So they'll buy players and they'll they'll start playing around with their squad. It didn't work for Aston Villa. So that, no. you know, it could end up with all three of those teams coming down I think, having a transitional thinking, season. Personally speaking, I think that uh, Villa will get their life together. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because I think they thought they could buy it last year and they, you know, they got bit in the ass. Um, and I think Sunderland will do an Aston Villa. I think they'll think, you know, we're Sunderland. We'll just do what Newcastle did. And I don't think... That, I mean, that club's an absolute shambles from start to finish. There was even rumours about David Moyes losing games in, on purpose uh, in January just so he could say to the chairman, you know, look, look, I need players because uh, we're, we're getting tonked every week. <laughs> you know, there was, there was rumours of that. They, they were rife. Um, yeah. But I, I, in terms of is this our best opportunity, if you'd have asked me a year ago, I was absolutely terrified of the teams that were coming down and the teams that were, you know, teams like that we beat in the playoffs last year. So there was there was Brighton. Who else finished in the playoffs last season? Uh, there was us, Brighton. Um, Hull, us, Brighton, Hull, Derby. And Derby County. Now, I thought, you know, there was obviously going to be those remaining three teams from that. There would be the three teams coming down from the Premier League. I was terrified about this season. And then here come bloody Huddersfield and absolutely tore into the party. All right, lads, what's going on here? Seems like a laugh. And you think, well, hang on. We've been tussling this out for years. You can't just turn up. And then and then they did and got promoted. And I have ended up with... You know, people have been going, you know what, Fudgy, you were right about the playoff. It's exactly what happened. As you said, they parked the bus and win all penalties. And I said, you know... It, it, there's no pride in that whatsoever. However, I also said, and a lot of people seem to have forgotten this, that Huddersfield will fall away. Don't worry about Huddersfield. They're just punching above the weight. And uh, that did not happen. Just just a point off the back of that, um, and, and I, I sat and worked this out, so I, th- I, th- I think this is right. The, of the teams that were in the Championship last season, 17 of them, so 17 of the 24, had uh, have previously been in the Premier League. And any team that's previously been in the Premier League, I mean, bloody hell, Blackburn have won the Premier League. Uh, any team that's previously been in the Premier League can can arguably harbour ambitions to be going for the Premier League, can't they? You know, they've been there before. There's no reason yeah, why they shouldn't be aiming to, to get there again. So there were only seven teams in the Championship last season who've not been in the Premier League before. Of those seven teams, two of them got promoted. Now, that, that that's got to give hope for... <laughs> For anyone, really, in terms of the fact when people say, "Oh, football," it's just you know teams come down and they go straight back up. Well, that that's been proved time and time again to not be yeah. the case. And yeah, every year the the parachute payments get get bigger, and so it becomes more difficult. Um, you know, the thing that's in our advantage this time is that both Hull and Middlesbrough will not get the full parachute payment because they only stayed at one season. And you get you get one year less, don't you, in terms of parachute payments now, um, if you don't stay up for a season in the um, in the Premier League. Um, so you know that's something. But I think the fact you know, particularly Huddersfield, all right, and let's let's put aside the fact that we all feel a bit bitter about it. But Huddersfield have shown that if you get your tactics right and you get the right blend of players, then you can do it. You can do it. Anyone can. Anyone can do it. So um, us us talking about have we missed our opportunity? Yeah, the, there's absolutely no reason why we can't we no. can't really go for it next season and make a damn good go of it. You know, we need two or three, maybe three or four, maybe even more than that. But we need, you know, some some quality additions to um, 
to remove those those times last season where we could see it just just fall into bits a little bit, where we just couldn't yeah. deal with the problems that were that were, were in front of us. We we need to sort that out this summer, and um, I trust that they will do that. And I think we can have a right good go at it next season. I really that's do. that's actually brought us full circle, right? <laughs> you know, like you said, Dan, has actually brought us right round to 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 where we started this entire idea for for this show. Hmm. I believe that yes, that you know that there's going to be those games where we can just see it getting away from us, where we need to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more decisive down the pitch. Whereas yeah. you'd probably like to see us a little bit more shore, shored up at the back. And no. uh, well, do you know, <laughs> you know what I, what I mean? I'm not. I'm not sure that I do. Um, I, I think that um, there's you've got to have the right players. If you've got the right players, then you can afford yeah. to. Do and, and, and I will. I'll pick on Brighton as being the the team that I admired the most for this, for the reasons that I said earlier on, which is that they had a certain style of play, a way that they wanted to play football. But when it wasn't yep. going that 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 way, and, and this is why in you know year one of this project we we fell down. You know we we didn't get promoted because we had a style of play, and when we came up against teams that that didn't work against, it was mostly teams at the bottom. We had of nowhere the table. to go. Yeah, we didn't have the answer. We didn't have a plan B. Now last season. We probably also didn't have a plan B, but we changed plan A to be what plan B should have been the season before. Um, yeah. But then we didn't, have, you know, if, if plan B had been what plan A had been the season before, then it might have been different. So what, what well, we, we need to do is, is to find a style the... of play. We need Carlos to feel he's got faith in the team to be able to go out and, and, and play it about a bit and be better than the opposition. Because I don't, I don't actually think that the stands will... F- but the fans will stand for another season where it feels like we're playing at times some quite negative and quite boring stuff. I think that we, you know, we stuck with it last season. And I certainly, I'll hold my hand up and say I st- stood by it because I thought it was going to be good enough to take us to the Premier League. It wasn't. We didn't get to the Premier League, so we've got to say right, okay, well we tried that and that didn't work either. So now we go for you know Plan C. We need a third way. We need a different style next season that incorporates a little bit of probably all those things that we've done over the last couple of seasons with players that are good enough to pull it off uh, and you know we need when they return for pre-season training on whatever it is 1st of July in a few weeks uh, from the word go he says this is how we're going to play next season it's going to work for us we don't spend the first six weeks of the season fanning about trying to decide what style we're going to play he needs to know that now and he needs to be putting that yeah. into place now so that we it's, hit it's the ground running in No slow start this time. Like, yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, there was too many games where we, it was last season, wasn't it, where it was more prevalent, where we were scoring in the last five minutes till we get all three points. It, it's not sustainable. We can't keep coming from behind, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we've deciphered through all of this is that recruitment is key. You know, yep. we need the right players to fit in with this philosophy, with this Louis van Gaal style philosophy. And I, and I agree with it because Brighton had a philosophy, as did Newcastle. And they have a way of playing as a club. Look at the way Wenger has transformed Arsenal and, mm-hmm. and the way that they play football. They have played that same style for 20 years. I mean, all right, it's now a bit dated and the fans are going crazy about it, but... That's what installing a philosophy does. And you can win things and you can breed success by having a way of playing football. And it's about getting the right players for that philosophy that he wants to instill. Yeah. Yeah. Think fair comments? Fair comments? 
so shall we wrap this up then, James? Are we still agreeing to disagree, or are we, uh, or are we blaming it all on recruitment? <laughs> I think I think we've actually found that we we you know probably in hindsight we we've, we've got more common ground than maybe we thought we did than we thought. Um, and yeah. certainly we seem to agree on what we need to do for next season. I mean, football yeah. unfortunately is not as simple as it is when we sit here and we talk about it, is it? And um, you know I'm sure that. It will not take long into um, into the new season for us to have a disagreement about something. But um, <laughs> you know, I think if if we both agree that this is the direction that we need to go in, that we we bring in the right players, we bring in quality. We don't you know throw some shit at a wall and hope that we bring in the right people. You know, we need to identify the right players, and I hope to God that they've already done that. Because if we haven't at this hey, stage, then we are going to end up panic buying. Um, bring in the right players. Throwing shit at a wall right. is throwing shit at a wall is you know. It's, it's the Dan Fudge way of punditry. You know what I mean? There's a lot to be said about, you know, saying enough shite and some of it's going to stick. Like, come on, man. I'm a big fan of that approach. Well, if it works for you, maybe that's where we need to go. All right, listen. So I just want to thank everybody that contributed. So uh, all those people that sent us those messages and your tweets. So Montague Dangerous, Sharpie. Um, uh, there was Jeff. There was uh, Manhattan. Owl, there was James. Uh, who else did you have there, uh, James? Oh, uh, loads. Um, so I've got John Blair, um, uh, Nick Alsteeler, Paul Newby, uh, Daniel, Laura. Uh, who else have I got? Um, Will, Danny, John, Jill, Steve, James, Hayden, Mike, John, uh, Kieran, and Monty Dangerous are all on my list of people that have contributed. And there's probably a couple that I've missed off there because I've been deleting them as I've been um, going oh. through mentioning stuff. So. There we go. Well, you you had a lot more feedback than I, didn't you? And uh, obviously, I forgot to mention Stokey as well, who uh, who went every time Sheffield went to play, sends me a barrage of about eight or nine WhatsApp messages. Listen, <laughs> Stokey, lay off the Jaeger bombs, fam, yeah, because uh, you know I might be in bed or something or at work. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say at this point that hopefully this is the last that you hear of us for a good few weeks, because yeah, I said yeah. right at the start of this that um, I've kind of made my peace with what happened last season, and actually I've kind of got. You know, drawn back into it tonight and I've quite enjoyed um, talking about the stuff that we've talked about but I am looking forward to now having a couple of weeks off from football forgetting all about it and um, you know go on holiday at the start of July pre-season games then then start when I get back and um, that will be the next point that I really want to think about football and I think we've had two seasons that have been emotionally quite testing um, so um, you know I would encourage us all to just have just take a bit of a step back have give yourself the summer off. Give yourself the summer, not worrying too much about it. Don't think too much about it. Um, you know, don't go on Twitter every five minutes like, why have we not signed anyone? Rah, 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 rah. Just chill a bit. Let's all just enjoy this summer and let's come back fresh faced in August, shall we? I, I I've already forgotten it. I've been on a stag doing Benidorm. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so with that then that that that's us for a fair few weeks I would imagine that we'll be back yep. in our old traditional format with the rest of the guys as well um, probably around the back end of July um, once there's a few players through the door and a few things to um, to talk about but um, until then I guess it's goodbye for now and we'll see you real soon we had to do it
it's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.